Well, listeners, in case you didn't get enough sports today, here's an ad break that'll tell you how to watch even more sports. YouTube is the new home of NFL Sunday Ticket. And if you sign up now, you'll get the lowest full season price of the year. Just go to youtube.com slash Spotify offer to get $100 off NFL Sunday Ticket. Watch your favorite teams out of market Sunday afternoon games exclusively on YouTube and YouTube TV. All right, enough about sports. Go get more sports. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends June 6th. No refunds. But I'm going to tell you this we ain't done yet. Howdy and welcome back to the Ineligible Podcast. I am Will Stone. He is Chase Caldwell. No Hayden Garland today, but we are joined by a very special guest, Mr. Robert Behrens. Robert, how's it going? Great, guys. Uh, we got spring football back. Happy to be back on the podcast as well. We're glad to have you back, that's for sure. Yes, definitely appreciate you coming on. A um, little bit different vibe around the program than when we last had you on. Uh, <laughs> before the season last year, we were all... You know, very excited, and um, we don't need to get into what all went wrong last year, but, you know, <laughs> we've we've lived that enough. So uh, this is a very forward-thinking episode now. <laughs> yeah, I think um, I think when I came on last year, uh, you know, before the season, I think my, like, worst-case scenario was us going 8-4 and four again. And yeah. so suffice to say, things did not go as planned. <laughs> yeah, Will and I used to do a thing where – or I said we used to last year, we did a thing where we looked back the year prior and listened to like some of the predictions and things that we had. And then like, just kind of laughed over them. We didn't even so much as do that this year. Cause we know no. that we were just dead wrong on almost everything that we thought was going to happen. <laughs> and you know what? Like as much as I should say, like we should feel bad about that as Aggies, the bottom line is that like everybody was wrong about A&M. Like, oh. you know, there were national guys that were in on A&M, I think it was, uh, you know, Desmond Howard had us in the playoff. Um, you know, Josh Pate said that AM had a disaster-proof roster. Um, so th- this caught everybody by surprise. So as much as, yeah. like, we all looked like idiots, um, I'd like to say at least we had good company in sure. looking like idiots. That's a good point. I feel like, I feel like Pate jinxed us by saying that. Like, you can't call something disaster-proof. <laughs> I mean, that's just, <laughs> that's just asking for it. But Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely, uh, definitely Murphy's Law last year. But uh, you know, we've been doing this. This is our, I guess, our third off season of having this this podcast. And the first two, you know, super excited. You know, the first year was uh, going to be the first year in a while without without Kellen Mond. We were like, you know, talking quarterback, and you know, recruiting was on the uptick. And we just won the Orange Bowl. We got you know, gypped out of the playoff. Uh, and then last year, you know. Hey, our quarterback was hurt and now he's healthy and, you know, we got the number one class, best class of all time. You know, we might make the playoff and win the whole thing this year, you know, look out next year when we're going to be fully loaded. But um, I guess what's your, your confidence meter right now? I, th- I think we're all kind of in wait and see mode, but as it stands today, like, like on a, on a scale of one to 10, like, like where are you at right now? Um, I mean, I'd say probably a, but I waver between like a six and a seven. Um, just because, you know, there are so many things that like, as a fan, you can look at and like, you can find ways to convince yourself of like why this team is going to be good. Um, you can look at all those things that went bad last year that while there's no such thing as a perfect season, you're going to have injuries. You're going to have bad luck. Just as you said, last year, it was everything that could have gone wrong seemingly did. 
Um, so you hope that that's an improvement. Um, you are bringing back the most production in the SEC. You're bringing in Bobby Petrino uh, for what we hope to be a new offense. Uh, and so there's there's tons to talk yourself into being optimistic about. But as a fan, you have to admit that, I mean, last season happened. Five and seven happened. Uh, so until we like get to 2023 season and we're, we see tangible differences in what this team looked like last year, it's hard to get super duper confident because, you know, this team should have been really good last year. Even with all the problems, they still had a ton of talent. They were still more talented than virtually every single team they played. Um, and you just had like entire games, you know, multi-game stretches where they just looked like a bad football team. So you can talk yourself into reasons that'll be different, but until we see it, yeah, it's hard to be overly confident. Right. Yeah. I'd, I'd say I'm, um, I would be the same. I'd be six to seven, somewhere in that range. Um, because sure. Like, I don't know how to, I don't know how to add more perfectly to exactly what you just said of like <laughs> as a fan like you you can talk there's so many ways that you can say okay look at all these guys that left the program well okay well hopefully that was the guys that was preventing us from being as good of a football team as we should have been last year that's that's the fan side then if this was happening to any other team we would be saying man, look at everybody, the mass exodus that's going out of their team, you know? And so yep. um, it, it's kind of a, every, every single thing, it's like, oh man, like we're real confident now we got Bobby Petrino coming in. And then on the other side, it's like, we hired Bobby Petrino. So you know, like, the <laughs> argument like goes either direction, however yep. way you want to look at it. So it's just kind of, um, I don't know. It's, it's a wait and see. Um, it's it's really more of I, I would say for me to to put another name on it other than wait and see it's more of like prove me you know show me that yeah. we're going to be different um and and it's just kind of like i'm going in with lowered expectations but higher expectations i guess uh, you know i i last year explained the difference between my two definitions for expectations like here, here's what i expect to happen and here's what i expect for the team to produce you know <laughs> those those two different things yeah. that that's kind of where where i would be um is saying i have high expectations of the team but i'm not expecting greatness until i see it if right. that makes sense no. Yeah, I think. No, I think. Yeah, that's a great way to put it because I mean, you're exactly right that like there are the expectations we should have because mm -hmm. of all the resources this team has, the way they've recruited. Like, you know, basically, Jimbo's been given every single luxury, every single thing he's asked for to make this a great team. So we should expect results based on that. But yeah, like you said, that doesn't mean that we're expecting to go win ten games next year right after going five and seven. Right. Because right. that that seems a bit ambitious. Yes. Right. And I think like the you. biggest um the biggest downside, you know, if I'm looking for like a fatal flaw in this team of like, okay, what's gonna be the thing that keeps them from uh you know, from really achieving what they want to, I think it is gonna is gonna be that depth that you don't have because of the transfer portal and those, you know, twenty something guys that left. Because 
while almost none of the guys that left, you know, played a bunch last year, you're now looking at like at cornerback, at linebacker, at wide receiver. If you get like anyone injured for any length of time, you're up a creek. Yeah, and, and that's not to say like there. It's not to say there aren't guys that could maybe come in and step up, but you're suddenly re- relying on guys that have never played significant playing time before, right. and that's that's scary. Well, and that's been the crux of our team for the past two seasons um, is injuries. I mean that that has hurt us. It hurt us a lot last year. You know, when you really start to look at all the injuries that we did have last year, you can point to that as a big problem for mm-hmm. our season, but. Um, it hurt us tremendously the year before, you know, when we lose our starting quarterback and um, several other players that year, it just, it just seems like injuries. We've had the injury bug the past two years and that's scary going into a year that we're saying we don't really have the depth anymore, you know? And so, yeah. um, maybe the favor will be upon us. And I think we all thought they would be a lot more active in getting guys out of the trench for portal than they were. Um, because while, you know, you heard things about them going after guys, like ultimately we didn't bring a lot of guys in. I think we brought in what three portal players and one of which it sounds like is now maybe not coming after all. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely thought, you know, after the season ended and the portal was open and, you know, there was a hundred names going in by the hour. I was like, man, we're about to go get, you know, 10 guys out of the portal to, yeah. to backfill. And I mean, yeah, there was a point that, that when we were sitting there and our recruiting class still only had like 13 or 14 guys, I right. was like, our portal class is going to outnumber our high school class. Yeah. Because yeah. that was the expectation was that like, we're losing all these guys that we, you know, so we, we have to replace like, you know, roster depth. And so we need to like, we need that, that portal influx right now. But I think the difficult thing is, and I didn't really think about it until we got into the process and you started seeing like, guys that a was going after and where they ended up and things like that was um, that the problem with the portal is that if you're recruiting for depth, the portal is not a very good place to go because no yeah. one wants to transfer somewhere just to be a backup. Yeah. Cause probably the reason they're leaving wherever they're going is because they were a backup. Yeah. Um, or, or because they were at like a smaller school and they're wanting to be in, in a bigger pond. Um, but yeah, so if you're because AM has a stacked roster despite all the problems, you know, it's like pretty much every position has really talented guys at the top. And so the list of transfer portal players who are good enough to come in and actually start was very, very small. Mm-hmm. And so that means that you're competing with Texas and Georgia and USC and Bama, you know, for those type of guys. And that's just, you know, you're not going to win all those battles. AM didn't win many of them at all. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But but when your pool is that small, it it makes it difficult. Yeah, I, I think I think the same. I mean, that's that's going into signing day. I really felt like you really like to think that your team has this immaculate plan in place <laughs> of how it's all going to unfold. And I, I feel like we've been spoiled with Jimbo to where we feel like that's. It's it just it just happens. It's kind of like watching the 2012 team. Like we'd be down, but we're gonna win somehow. You know, you just can't really fathom how we're going to do it, but we're going to. And that's how some of Jimbo's classes have been. And so I went into it thinking, oh, sh- for sure, we're gonna have a ton of guys from the portal, and we didn't. 
And, and so then it, it was kind of, I don't know. Do you think that we'll end up getting a lot, you know, after spring ball? I don't know, man. I mean, the way that it went back in December and January, it's kind of hard to imagine that we will. Mm-hmm. Um, now you never know who, never know who's going to end up in there. Um, and it may be that like, it's guys that no one's all that excited about. You know, maybe mm-hmm. it's someone from some G five school that none of us have heard of. Um, but ultimately if it's at the right position, then it could still end up being a big addition. Sure. All right. It's still a, a, a quality depth player who's, you know, who's not a walk-on or a freshman that's yeah. got, you know, college experience that like, I, I, I'm thinking about linebackers specifically. <laughs> like, oh, for sure. And, and I think, you know, when the window opens back up, you may, you may see them get like two guys or like, like maybe like two or three guys on the, on the high end. Uh, and, and they may get no one, but um, I feel like once, once these guys go through spring ball, um, there's, there's going to be like more, there's obviously going to be more names in the portal and um, it is tough. Like this whole dynamic is tough and I, I'm, I'm trying to research this and it's tough because there's not a lot of data on it, but, and you have to do it very manually, but like A&M has 75 scholarship players right now. I like give or take a couple. I wonder if other teams are experiencing like having issues keeping 85, you know, scholarship quality players on the roster at all times. Like, cause it's hard. Like, like you, like, Players want to play. They don't want to be depth, you know, especially if they're if they're not freshmen, you know, or if they're sophomores. So, um, I think the portal, you know, that's we, we need to be strong there, and I agree with that wholeheartedly. But um, you, you still probably need to build your roster through the high school ranks, and you know, this could be like a a, a huge, you know, uh, recruiting class for A and M in this next cycle, and, and we don't have to get into all that, but um, something that they definitely need to to emphasize, but. Um, there's two things I want to tackle real quick, and I, I guess we can kind of combine them. But um, one is is Jimbo's presser from Monday. From Monday, um, I know you've uh, written about it and tweeted about it, Robert. Um, that and just the the hiring of Bobby Petrino itself, like that's a, a pretty monumental shift from anything Jimbo's ever done. Like, um, and, and you had some good reasoning on why not to freak out over Jimbo's press conference on Monday. Yeah, I mean, to me. And let's be clear, like that answer was not encouraging. It's not what anyone wanted to hear like because that was a softball question where it's pretty much it's a, you know, the answer is Jimbo's calling plays or Bobby's calling plays. And he gave anything but that. He gave, you know, a very wishy-washy, like you can kind of interpret it however you want to answer. Um, So he didn't do himself any favors. But to me, like it's, it's abundantly clear based on that entire press conference that Jimbo just does not give a blank about like appeasing the press or scoring PR points. Cause I mean, he on pretty much every single question in that press conference, you know, didn't really give a solid answer. He kind of beat around the bush or he, you know, halfway address it, but then he kind of meanders off somewhere. And, and part of that's just Jimbo, but it seemed like even more so than usual, he was very, like just very cagey and, you know, didn't really want to be there. Um, yeah. So it's not what you want to see <laughs> right. know, from him. Cause like you want to, you want to see him there like excited and yeah. Presenting the positive picture. Um, but 
that's like, not I, what I, he does. And, <laughs> and, and, and like, ultimately, as long as like, as long as he's doing the right things behind the scenes, I yeah, kind of know. Absolutely. Care. Yeah. Like they show practice clips and like, like you could see Jimbo being hands off and like Bobby's the one coaching the quarterbacks, you know, tweaking things, giving orders, you know, like he's the one coaching and um, you hear in some of the stacked interviews too. And uh, the interview that Anias did, I mean, he's like Jimbo gets to be, you know, hands off and be the CEO and walk around and check on other positions. Um, I'm not sure if y'all have made the, like in August, they've had that open practice the past two years. Um, I've, I've been able to go both times and, Jimbo's really just with the offense the entire time and <laughs> really just with the quarterbacks and, you know, maybe the tight ends. But um, I think it's going to be a, a, a big, a big positive to, you know, be more of a CEO, you know, kind of oversee the whole team and let, and let Bobby do his thing. Like we know that Petrino has produced great offenses before and he's never had this level of, of, of talent on a roster. So um, it, it's a very exciting uh a very exciting deal for sure. Yeah. And, and I would add like, just, so if, if you were someone that you were convinced that Jimbo is not going to give up play calling, that he just brought in Bobby Petrino as a puppet, uh, you know, whatever. I mean, basically what the argument you're making is, is that, that, you know, the A&M administration was on board with firing Daryl Dickey, going through a coaching search, hiring a guy who costs you probably at least like a half million dollars more to hire who's still not going to call plays is is only there for the optics of it and the hire you made for optics was bobby petrino (laughs) (laughs) that's an an excellent point like that's a that's a wonderful point actually (laughs) yeah (laughs) i was like because i mean that was a firestorm when, when we brought him in like the only reason you take that PR hit is if you say this is worth it because we need the help on offense. Yeah. Right. And so if you're not handing him the reins, he is not the guy that you hire. Yeah. And if you're not handing him the reins, he's gone by like game three. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think I've made that point too is, you know, people talk about, well, it's like maybe, you know, Jimbo's telling him now that he's going to call the shots, but then, yeah, like, halfway through the Alabama game, Jimbo takes back over and you know, it's his offense again. And it's like, yeah, but I mean, Bobby Petrino has shown before, like he is happy to walk away from a team mid season. Right. <laughs> like, especially if he's the coordinator and all of a sudden like play calling, it's taken away. I like, I have no <laughs> doubt that he would just say bye. Um, yeah. And so, and so like, that's to me, that's part of the appeal of having him versus someone who's maybe more of like an up and coming guy. Cause up and coming guys still care about, their reputation they care about you know it's like getting their next job right um, yeah. and so they probably wouldn't do something that drastic but bobby doesn't care you know bobby i, I don't think yeah. he's gonna have any issue standing up to jimbo when he needs to yeah, and I that's agree. probably something that's a good thing i agree with you wholeheartedly on that one that that was my one like good thing about hiring bobby petrino was that he's not gonna care um he doesn't he doesn't care about optics uh at this point why even worry about it you know so um I, I think that's a that's the key point to the main benefit to to Bobby Petrino, but I, I, he also has a good good history and and can be a really good coach and can do some good things for our offense. Um, I think I think it's I took Jimbo's take on it, not necessarily as. Um, 
I don't know what the word is, but I didn't take it as a, as a bad thing. I didn't necessarily take it as coach speak like um, most everybody else did. I took it more as like there are two opposing views and they're, they've got completely different styles and they're probably going to have to kind of mesh that. And it it's probably going to be in flux throughout the year as they're trying to learn how to kind of switch between each other's styles. And um, yeah, I'd like to see it to where I'd like to see us come about where we're, you know, we attack, we, we go up quickly and then we just run Jimbo's offense the rest of the game, you know, and we just, we just bore them to death until we win the game. You know, that that's what I would love to see because really, I mean, under Jimbo, Actually, I'm I'm going to say this. This has no um, data behind it, so I might be dead wrong. Um, so sorry <laughs> if I am, but I can't think of times like like it seems like whenever we play from ahead, that's when we generally win. Um, that when we're playing from behind is when it's just constantly like it's miserable feeling, you know. Um, yeah. When we're playing from ahead, it's like, oh yeah, we got this in the bag the whole game, um, and. Like I said, I might be dead wrong on that, but that's just me kind of my memory if it serves me correctly. There's something Um, to that because, I mean, if you get down two scores, like I'm not sure if if Jimbo's offense, especially the way it was run last year, is capable of mounting a comeback, like a furious comeback and, you know, taking the lead and winning the game. Um, Yeah. But as far as I think the only time that that only happened once last year to my memory and that was arkansas and of course that took a miracle like goal yeah. line fumble return for, for and a doink off the upright for it to happen yeah, yeah. Be- like because it was in an nfl stadium that has taller goalposts than yep. <laughs> college <laughs> uh, but as far as the press conference goes like when i first listened to it i'm like man like i hated that <laughs> and then like <laughs> as like as a as a you know as it as time went on i was like okay like like, yeah, he probably is pissed. You're like, he's upset about last year and, you know, like that made him look horrible. And like he, you know, he's probably been busting his tail trying to make it right. And uh, he probably is excited for this, you know, spring practice and for the season. But, um, yeah, he was not happy about any kind of questions about scheme or about Petrino and anything like that. Uh, yeah. So, And, you know, and like, and one thing I hadn't fully thought about till really just now is that, well, you know, obviously Jimbo may not be thrilled about giving up play calling, or whatever, but the bottom line is that like, I mean, he's still going to be involved in the offense. He's still going to be game yeah. planning. He's still going to be like, you know, helping him with scheme. And I'm sure there's going to be times where it's like, it's going to be a critical situation. And he's going to, he's going to say like, you need to run here or, or you know, like I want to do this. Um, and so part of his reaction and that, and his bristling that we kind of saw, it could also just be that because he knows that like, he still is going to have his fingerprints on this offense that he doesn't want the Bobby Petrino to just get like 100% of the credit for if you have to see this like huge offensive turnaround and everyone's just going to say, look, Bobby solved the problem. Yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly. I'm, I'm sure Jimbo is going to be your problem that like, Jimbo created. <laughs> like, I, it's like, it's like, I helped solve this problem too. Yeah. Um, now it's like, I don't think people are going to give him that credit, but um, I'm, but I'm sure from his perspective, like, you know, he's still the head coach. He's not wanting to just like heap praise on, on this, this guy coming in that he probably does feel like took away part of his job. Right. Yeah. I agree with that. 
But in terms of the hire itself, like it's, it's something I'm pretty excited about. Maybe like, and we'll talk about a few things, you know, about that we're excited about this spring, but um, I'm excited for the spring game just to see what offense are we going to run? Like, like what plays are we running? Like what formations are we doing? Like, you know, and we're not going to empty the playbook out or anything, but like just to get a feel for it, like, like Bobby, you know, in, in interviews and you can tell when he's been different places, like, he likes to coach to his player strengths and not fit, you know, a square peg into a round hole. Um, like his offense with Lamar was different than his offense with, with Jeff Brom. Like yeah. it's, it's two, two very different styles and he has success with both. So um, it's, it's very encouraging. And I mean, he's got the talent to do it. If you know, like, I don't know. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm excited about the proposition and um, I, I can't wait to see, you know, what the offense looks like uh, as we go through spring. And I'll be honest, like when we first announced the hire, I didn't love it just because, I mean, you get so much baggage with Bobby Petrino and, mm-hmm. you know, and there's like, there's been so many places where he's been that has ended badly, not necessarily even on the field, but just, it seems like he just leaves like a, you know, a wake of destruction wherever he goes. <laughs> but um, one of the things that's kind of turned me around on it was if you listen to, Arkansas fans talk about AM hiring Bobby Petrino. They are all like some combination of pissed slash terrified. Yeah. And I, I feel like usually in college football, like when you like when you hire somebody, the fans of like whatever previous school they're at will normally be like, oh, good luck with that one. You know, like they'll like yeah. they'll remember all the bad stuff. Um, but like, but Arkansas fans are like they hate that AM's gonna have Bobby Petrino running running their offense. Yeah. Um, so that like gives me a glimmer of hope and granted, I know he was there like a decade plus ago. Um, but it gives you the glimmer of hope that like, well, Hey, like, you know, like if they're, if they're this worried about it, maybe there is something to it. Um, and then there's also just the fact that, you know, assuming that we're running his offense, that and he's the one in control, like how could it not be better <laughs> than what we saw last year? Right. Because even if this offense just from bad to average, like this team gets way, way better real fast. Yeah. Well, and and that's both of the points that both of y'all made there um, are the two like indicators that, that make me excited about Petrino because Jimbo has always tried to fit a square peg into a round hole as long as he's been here. I mean, it's, it's just constant. I mean, he's, he's, hard-headed at it i mean it's it's like we're just going to keep doing it until it works and y'all just have to figure it out and he doesn't seem to make any adjustments compared comparatively to the players that he's got um where petrino like if that's one of his strengths well that's good you know it it maybe it's really just to say hey jimbo here's how you need to change up your offense given the players that you have you know let's let's talk about like this is a good idea what you have here, but we don't have the strengths in this category or that category. So maybe we need to, you know, shift a couple things around here. Um, and so maybe it's not that he's taking on full play calling, but it's more of play scheming and, and saying, okay, Hey, you know, in this scenario, when we play this team, let me run with it because we need to do it in a different way than, what you're doing. Cause there are, I mean, there are teams that we have played that Jimbo's style of football 
works perfectly fine, you know? Yeah. And um, there's other teams that it's just not. And, and that's where it's very, it's always just been very evident to me when we go out and we just get beat by a team. It's like, they had our number. They knew exactly what we were going to do. Uh, I knew what we were going to do. Everybody knew what we were going to do. There was no, no shifting around of, of the game plan. And um, some of these better teams, you're going to have to shift some of that around. Um, but for the Arkansas fans to be so freaked out about it, that has me excited as well. Um, yeah. they're, because they're scared I, to death. I just can't think of it like another team to your point, Robert, like I can't think of another coach that's been like that, that, you know, that this other team that they're, they're leaving is, is just freaked out. Like, I mean, even when someone left, you know, everything, everywhere he went, it's like, Oh, y'all got someone. Someone was a great coach for us. You know, he did a lot of good things for us, but like, you know, whenever like, like back when we stole Chavis from LSU that they were like, Oh, thank God he's gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we we were lording him around like he was he was the best hire ever, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember, yeah, heard so many LSU fans, you know, talking about third and Chavis, and I was like, oh, whatever. Like that's that's not a big that's not a thing. Yeah. And then yeah, like a year or two in, you're like, okay, it's uh, it's, a thing. it's kind of a thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and and with Petrino, it could just be because I feel like part of you know Jimbo's offense. I, I feel like it's not like just like it's not rocket science but i think there's just so much volume and I, I, it's like he's trying to do too it's like the cheesecake factory like the playbook's <laughs> too big the menu's too big like here pick your best things and do those really really well <laughs> and maybe you know I, I think i feel like that's probably the style that petrino has like hey like mm-hmm. this this roster we have is built for x y and z we're going to rip the hell out of that in practice. That's what we're going to run. Like forget all yeah. the other stuff. Like let's, let's not even bother trying to teach it and, and install it because we're not going to run it. But yeah. yeah. I mean, I feel like so much of last year, you know, because Jimbo talked so much about the execution of, of like, that was the problem. But at some point it's like, if on every play, you know, you always have like a guy like missing a blocking assignment or a receiver where he's not supposed to be, or the QB doesn't make the right read. Um, it's like if that's happening like chronically, like that's a coaching problem, right? That's yeah. a like you know, it's like something's wrong with your offense or something's wrong with the way you're teaching it because that shouldn't be happening like seemingly every single play. Yeah. And and um, I forget who brought this up, but I heard someone talk about it, they're like, look, it's like bottom line is that like in college football, players make mistakes because that's just the nature of the game. They said if so, if you have an offense that requires all 11 guys to perform their job perfectly for the play to work. It's not going to work. Yeah. Yeah. Like you have to have like where, you know, you get the ball out quickly, you have quick reads, you get guys in space. Like you have to have plays that get you easy yards because yeah, you're going to have times where it's like guys miss blocks or guys don't run the right route. And that can't just like completely blow up, you know, your chances of success. Yeah, absolutely. I, and and to your point there, I I dogged on um, Tom Herman for that same thing at like the very first year of the podcast because he was he was constantly saying like, yeah, they just got to execute. I mean, we had a great game plan going into it, and I'm like, man, what kind of coach like goes out there and is like, yeah, we did good coaching, but our players <laughs> did terrible. You know, I really dogged on that. 
But Jimbo, towards the end of the season, I really kind of felt the same way towards him where I'm like, take ownership of it, Jimbo. Like, this is your offense. There's a reason why this execution problem is happening, and it's probably because it's too complicated. You know, you need to simplify something. I I don't know what the, the correct result is, but take ownership of it, realize that it's your fault, and, and go ahead and figure that out, you know? Um, yeah. And, and I think I, I like to think that maybe he has, you know, maybe that's why, I mean, you, if you read any self-help book, it's going to tell you like, you know, go off on a ledge, you know, jump off the ledge and do something extremely different. If something freaks you out, that's what you need to be doing because that's, what's going to make you a better person and all that. So sure. Hopefully that's what Jimbo's doing here with, with the hire of Petrino and um, just hiring somebody completely different because obviously he had hired somebody that, um, saw things a lot like he did in Dickey and that wasn't working. So get somebody yeah. completely different and um, see if it works, you know? Yeah. It's just incredible because, you know, during the football season last year, when all of us, like it was obvious that, you know, we needed to make a change on the offense from rival fans. You heard a lot of people talk about, Oh, they're like, Oh, well, you know, because AM has that huge buyout AM doesn't have any leverage to make him make a change and Jimbo's stubborn. So he's not going to do it. And then, of course, we go, we, we fire Daryl Dickey, we hire Bobby Petrino, and then all of a sudden the narrative is, well, well, Jimbo only did it because, you know, the, the athletic department made him do it. Yeah. And, so, and these are the same people who just said four months ago that the athletic department had no leverage to make Jimbo do anything. Right. <laughs> and so, like, so you know, you're, you're in a no situation, you know, yeah. no win situation with those folks, obviously, but um, it's, it's not a great time to be arguing on Twitter. If you're an a fan, <laughs> <laughs> you, you don't have a lot of uh, ground to stand on right now. So I'm, I'm really excited for the season to get here and get five and seven off of our, <laughs> off of our, off of our back. Like, yeah, just well, let's just like, let's just go beat all of our G five teams and that'll be a yeah. nice start. Let's yeah. start there. Hey, I do know our first game is New Mexico and they were like, unequivocally the worst team in the country last year in, in FBS. So we, we got that going for us. Yeah. Cause we played them in, I guess, 2021. And that was it. Yeah. That with, with Zach Calzada. And yeah, I think that was one of the few games that season where we just like obliterated someone. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, so, uh, so that means that we're going to, we're going to go out game one and then we're all going to be, we're going to win the championship. <laughs> oh, like for sure. As much as I'm sitting here talking about like, yeah, like wait and see cautious optimism. It's like, as soon as we have like the first touchdown drive of the season, we're all just going to be like, that was amazing. The yeah, offense is exactly. fixed. <laughs> 10 and two. You know? No, like I, I'm going to go to that open practice in August and be like, I'm, I'm going to come back here after I go and be like, Connor Wigman is going to win the Heisman. <laughs> like yeah. y'all should have seen him out there. He just, just dropping dimes. <laughs> Uh, but, but let's let, let's talk about this roster a little bit and then uh, we'll start on offense but um you know it's as bad as last year was i mean like we've like we've said the talent is definitely there and like it's hard to not love some of what's on this roster already but like like i guess like what are some position groups that that you guys are really excited about on offense i mean the biggest one i'm going to talk about is is offensive line because how can you not um as much as that was a weakness last year um you know part of that was injury you were without bryce foster for most of the year you lost jordan moco you had i think trey zune played through a lot of injuries it sounds like he had you know mm -hmm. surgery at the end of the year 
But this is the first time since 2020 that we bring back all five starting offensive linemen. And plus you've got like three other guys behind them who still played, you know, significant snaps last year. Um, and the thing I keep going back to is if you look at 2019, um, you know, that team, that was a team that they went seven and five, but all five losses were to top 10 teams. But the weakness of that team was offensive line. And, you know, like Kellen Mond couldn't do anything because he was running for his life every single play, it seemed like. And then in 2020, they brought back that exact same offensive line, same five guys. And suddenly it was like maybe AM's best offensive line of the past decade, save mm-hmm. save for 2012. Right. Um, and so it goes to show you that especially at the college level, just having that continuity of like all those guys being together and all those guys having another year in the system and strength and conditioning and all that, like can take a not very good offensive line and turn it into a really, really good one. Um, So for me, I, you know, I think that's like, and if you have a good offensive line, like everything else is gravy, like, yeah, you know, moving the ball is easy. If you have a good offensive line. Well, and to add on to that, uh, that example, you know, 2019 was the first year of Josh Henson and 2020 second year of Josh Henson, you bring back all five guys, big step forward. Um, Adazio has caught a lot of hate and maybe rightfully so, but you know, he is still our O-line coach. This is his second year with the same group of guys. Um, so that could be a similar outcome. And, uh, I, I put this on Twitter last or maybe two weeks ago where, um, I, I'm big, I'm trying to get into more like advanced stats and this isn't super advanced, but, uh, I looked at pressure rates because like pressure rates allowed by your O-line because in 2021, we weren't great. Like, like bottom like 15 or 20 um, like, okay, I was like okay if we can fix this and allow you know a little bit less pressure rate in 2022 we can be really good well we regressed even more and we were like if you remove the service academies we were like the fourth worst team in the country and um you look at the teams in the playoff like georgia ohio state theirs were like 18 percent and like 21 percent, and ours was like 41 percent. so um you can't do anything like is, is we can talk about how bad Jimbo's scheme or play calling was, but if you can't block anybody, it doesn't matter if you're running the chiefs offense, like you're not going to have a good time. So um, I'm glad you're excited about the O-line because I've been, I'm a little gun shy <laughs> because <Yeah. laughs> I've gone on here the past two Austin's and been like, Hey, O-line's fine. They're going to be great. <laughs> and uh, It has not worked out. So um, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll let you praise them and I'll just, uh, I'll just shut up. Like, <laughs> Maybe they'll be I mean, better. And, and I would admit, like, I mean, this optimism is it's fully based on, like you said, like that, like that 2019, 2020 jump. And I realized like that's not universal. That doesn't happen every time. Right. But it's just the fact that like I've seen it happen before under Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M. So it's, you know, you can, you can talk yourself into, into that happening. Um, now the fact that like half those guys aren't playing in the spring is not encouraging, but, uh, but I mean, you know, ultimately, when was the last time you like you really like saw something during the season that and you thought, oh, like I'm glad that guy played spring ball? You yeah, know, we all make a big deal about it now, but ultimately, like there's going to be guys in this spring that are going to be you know starting in the fall. There's going to be freshmen who aren't even on campus yet or like getting ready for senior prom who yeah. are making an impact this fall. So spring practice matters, but it's it's not the end all be all. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, a I, very I, good point. I feel like Trey Zune took a lot of heat last year. Um, and I think, I think he had like a, like a issue with his kneecap or something 
like the week yeah, before the Yeah, I don't remember started. exactly what it was either. Um, but you could tell, but, but like, was... he looked very uncomfortable, like, just moving around. And, like, he still, you know, toughed it out and played through it. Um, you know, he's not available in the spring, but, you know, guys like that, like, just get healthy, you know, for the fall. Like, you know, the reps are important and things like that. And then the guys are that are healthy this spring, you know, it's, it's good they're getting the reps. But if you're, if you're beat up from last season, like, you know, it's okay to take a break and, you know, really focus on that rehab and get healthy for, for the fall. So, and even Jimbo said, he's like, he's like, these guys won't be available, but they're probably going to be back in like, in like May. So I yeah. gotta miss the whole summer lifting program, you know, with injuries, it, it, at least yeah. most of those guys. So just uh, don't let Bryce, Fo- don't let the Bryce Foster kiss anybody for the next six yeah, months. Yeah. No, no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's comical <laughs> at this point. It's comical what all went wrong last year. I know we've already discussed it, but like just things like that. Like, oh yeah, our starting center got mono <laughs> right before the season like, started, <laughs> and then we had a flu epidemic. Like, yeah. and happens since nineteen nineteen. We had like yeah. forty players against Florida that suited up. <laughs> yeah, and and I tell you, like that uh, that reminds me. That's one thing that um. And I've pointed this out, and I have no idea like how true this was, but um, but if, so like if you look at Wegman's stats, like you know from the games he played, like like he looked like he played pretty well in pretty much every game except Auburn, and that Auburn game was just miserable. Um, yeah. But I was like, you know, it's like that was a week after the Florida game, in which which he was out with the flu, so I wonder how much of it played into the fact of like he was like available, but like it was in no way a hundred percent. That's a good point. Yeah. And also no A-chain in that game. Yeah. Which uh, yeah. doesn't help to not have no. your best player. But like you said, it's like, it's like this is like, yes, like this, the the mind of like, you know, the optimistic fan of like you're tracking yourself into like, oh, he didn't play well because he was a week removed from the flu. That's you know. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, it wasn't just that our offense was terrible the entire year. Yeah. And, 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 and like – uh, a few of us were at that game and it was miserably cold and windy and to like uh call me a two percent or whatever we left at halftime i was like that's the ugliest half of football i've watched in my entire life like auburn too like they weren't yeah. doing anything great either it was just it was it was not pretty to watch and uh, that was i think auburn against south carolina too those like i think those might have been the two games that pissed me off the most last year just because you watched those and you were like those were like bad football teams yeah like south carolina you know they got they got we gave them 17 points to start off the game and then we and then we outplayed them the rest of the way and just you know just didn't quite do enough to catch up and then auburn yeah you just watched like both teams fiddle around for three quarters yeah and yeah you just have to, you're like this isn't a good football team like this is i and, I, and i'm the king of like you know, us losing a game and talking about stuff and just like, oh, that's a pretty good team. But yeah, you're right. You just lost to bad teams. Yeah. I, I challenge anyone to show me a worse start to a game than us against South Carolina. Like <laughs> they run back the opening kick. Then we throw a, fi- a big six and then we fumble that they return to like the three yard line. And somehow and we the, only allow a field yeah. goal on that one. But. And of course, and that was just two weeks after like, you know, we'd had like the game against Bama where, you know, obviously it's, you know, backup quarterback, they turn over the ball over four times, but still like we showed signs of life that like we almost won that game. We probably should have won that game. Then you have the bye, and then you're going into South Carolina. Like I think every AM fan is like, okay, like 
this is like the reset. Like, you know, we're going to like win a couple of games in a row. We're going to get on a winning streak. We're going to salvage the season. And yeah, to start it off, like, yeah, the first five minutes of that game just catastrophically was such a gut punch. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think um, position group I'm excited to watch on the offense is, is going to be the receivers. Um, I, I'm, I'm optimistic with the names that we have returning. Um, you know, like just the thought of Anias, Moose, Evan Stewart, like, and even Noah Thomas, like to have all of those guys at once, hopefully, you know, assuming that we're, <laughs> we don't have any injuries that plague us. Um, that the prospect of that is, is exciting to me. And whenever I pair that with Wigman and um, Bobby Petrino's offense, that seems like we're going to see a lot more excitement this year. Um, assuming everything, everything else falls into place. Cause I, I'm with you guys on the offensive line. I am. That's where I, I would say I'm most optimistic uh, for the, for that and the, and quarterback, of course, but um, of course, mainly worried about running back, but I don't know. I'm just, I'm most excited to see the receivers because I think we, we just all as A&M fans are just desperate to see good receiver play and, yeah. and exciting downfield passes and just, we're, we're just explosive plays. Yeah. There's just a void that needs to be filled there for us. And, um, I, I just feel like over the last two seasons, like we haven't had all of our playmakers at the top of their game at the same time. And, and all of these guys returning, I think, I think Anias and, and, um, and of course I'll mention this later too, but Anias and Damani returning, I think is the, the biggest key to the, the off season. And, and moreover, like, I think that was a bigger win than anybody that we might've gotten in the transfer portal. Absolutely. Yeah. And those are two guys like, I mean, Anias, I kind of get it because I think with the injury, he wasn't going to be able to do the combine or pro day. Um, And so like just, it made sense probably financially for him to try to come back and reestablish his value. Sure. But, but even so, like, I mean, I, I would have been just, I would not have been surprised if he had went ahead and left and just tried to get a, you know, a free agent deal and gotten on somewhere. Sure. And then, and Damani too, just because, uh, there is a part of me that's like those guys have so much tape that yeah. you know, it's like coming back another year. They're not going to like, they're not going to just, you know, skyrocket their value because, mm-hmm. you know, guys have seen them on that field for three, four years, but, but man, yeah. Like what a, what a like, value add that is not only just on, on the field. Cause you know, Anias, you know, at a position we're very, very thin at is huge. Um, I think AM would have been okay at safety if Damani wasn't here because we've got so many other good guys coming in. But just having, I think, that presence in the locker room because that was something AM, mm-hmm. I feel like right. they missed last year was like because we had hardly any, any like, you know, seniors to begin with. Right. Um, yeah. And, and it definitely seemed like, you know, we had some, some leadership issues in that locker room. So maybe they can be the guys, you know, along with others that step up and kind of take that, that role on. Yeah. I agree wholeheartedly on that. Yeah. 
and I've said on here before, like Anias is my favorite Aggie player of like the last, like since Johnny and Mike, <laughs> like uh, he, he's such a, he's such a baller. Um, he, he, you can watch him play and tell like he, he loves playing football. Like it, it doesn't matter where he plays. Like I remember watching him uh, pass protect playing running back against Oklahoma state. He's just like knocking guys back. <laughs> I'm like, dude, yeah. like this is, this is a ball player right here. And he loves A&M and he reps A&M and, uh, I'm super pumped to have him back. It's yeah. that, that's and that's I know like win. and and this doesn't always translate. You can't always read body language and everything, but certainly like when Anias plays, it looks like he is trying as hard as he possibly can every time mm-hmm. he has the ball. You know, there's you know, and that's like that's not always a good indicator because like because Kellen Mond was you know fans ragged on him notoriously because he just always looked like stone faced and like people accuse him of like not getting fired up or not caring. I think that's just that's just his demeanor, and he was just very yeah. like, you know cool under pressure. But yeah, Anaya's like every time he has the ball, like it looks like he's just wanting to just like run through the entire defense. Yeah, uh, no going, doubt about 100%. it. And and what uh, I will never forget because it's I think about it every time that I think about Anias, especially to this point, all that he's done for AM and all that he's done for himself as a player, um, and just just how good of a player he is overall, um. I'll never forget his commitment day, you know, and just the, the amount of chaos that happened across message boards of like, do we know who this guy is? Like, are we accepting it? It, Does he have a committable, um, you know, (laughs) offer? And there was this whole question mark about, you know, is that, did some random guy just commit to us that, that we're not going to honor scholarship? I mean, there's this whole question and then it was finally, put to Jimbo and Jimbo's like, no, <laughs> this is a guy that I wanted. And uh, he is a game changer. He, he is a baller and balls out and he is, I mean, he's, he's proven that. Um, so I think anybody that probably said that back in the day is probably looking back thinking like, man, I'm sure glad I was wrong. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Uh, and that's, you know, as much as like, I mean, I like, follow recruiting really closely and like and and i will like i will tout like the importance of recruiting but yeah it's like that's like the the anecdote that kind of proves all that otherwise because like you said it's like th- like the rumor was when he committed they're like oh like that means that AM missed out on someone else yeah it's like it's like the only reason that he was a take was because we missed out on other guys and then and it wasn't like he like slowly developed into a usable player like as like his freshman year like as soon as he got on the field you're like oh this guy can play. Yeah, yeah, and I think he was the first one of his class to get on the field like that. He was, yeah. Uh, I mean, he he just he was out there instantly, and that's the thing. Him and Damani both were. Um, they they Damani started day one, and and so that's to me going back to what you said about the senior leadership. Like those guys helped pave the way of Jimbo's time at Texas A and M, and so those are the leaders that you would want as seniors. Um, on both sides of the ball, they're the guys that started day one, and I, mean, I think he was maybe game three. Um, but you know, here they are um, coming back, and I think the only if if a chain would have come back in addition to both of them, this would be a whole different conversation. I, I would be, I wouldn't be saying like I'm a wait and see. I'm like we're running through everybody. Like (laughs) I would be so confident because my three favorite players are back, you know, and, 
Um, I just, I, I'm, I'm excited that we got both of them. Um, and, and I, I think that that senior leadership will be hugely influential. It has to be. And if it's not, then it's just going to be like last year. You know? yeah. Right. Yeah. The positive thing I'd say about running back is while, you know, none of these guys are divine AJ because he is like, he's yeah. going to be a legit NFL player. Um, but I think we've got three guys who like are legit SEC starters. Yeah. So it's, you know, and we've got a bunch of other positions where that's where, you know, if the first two guys get injured, you know, you're that third guy. It's like, you're a lot more worried than you would be at running back. Sure. So yes, we may not have like, like the high end potential of like, this guy's going to be a star, but like, I'm not, I, I think we're going to get good production out of that position no matter what. I agree. Yeah. That, that's actually like the position I was going to pick for mine. Like, like I, I like the, the potential of every position. Like I love, you know, Connor Wigman in year two, you know, under Petrino with the better line uh, and the weapons at receiver. Um, I think Donovan Green looks fantastic. Um, I'm excited to see what they can do with, you know, maybe two tight end sets. If, uh, if Theodore or if um, Jake Johnson can, can get on the field, I think that could present some good matchups, but these running backs, man, like Petrino likes to run the football. And I think all three of the guys are home run hitters. Like, I, I, I don't know if people realize the speed that Le'Veon Moss has. Like, he ran like a 10-4, 100-meter in high school. Like, the, the dude can hit a home run. Like, he, he, can, he can take it, you know, 80 yards in, in an instant. Uh, Reuben Owens, you know, same thing. Like, he was a track star. Um, you, you watch his film, it's just long runs, <laughs> you know. And uh, he's, he's to me, to me, Reuben is like the perfect, like, modern offensive running back. Um, and then you got Amari Daniels, who is always, like, when he gets in the game, like he's flashing, like that's, that's a good football player with like good, you know, explosive ability and, 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 and runs hard. So um, there may not be one that makes all sec, but like there, there's, there's some good, some really good backs in that group. Yeah. Yeah. Cause Amari, especially, I feel like, like every time he was on the field, like he'd get the ball and I, you'd kind of sit there and you'd be like, who was that? And they're like, Oh, that's, <laughs> Amari Daniels, you know, because right. like, because every time he got on there, like he made good plays. Yeah. So, and I know I tried to say like, well, maybe none of them are going to be a star, but maybe that's not fair because like, I mean, Le'Veon Moss, I think was a top one hundred national player. Um, you know, Ruben Owens, obviously five star, I think number two running back in the country in his class. So, you know, that's that's not to say like that one of these guys couldn't you know become, yeah, you know, the bell cow either. Yeah, Chase and I are in a um a. a college fantasy uh, dynasty league. And um, I think I had Moss last year. And I think I dropped him. So um, the, the, the starting running back at A&M is a coveted position. As long as Jimbo Fisher's here, <laughs> like, <laughs> but you, you, you're going to get carries. <laughs> Although we'll see what the, the rotation is though. Cause obviously, cause we have yeah. a new running back coach and you know, a lot that's of times right. like that position coach is the one that's actually like putting them in and out. So I'll be interested to see between having a new running back coach and also with Petrino if they do try to like do more of a committee approach. I mean, he, he did a great job last year with, uh, with Zach Evans and, and, and Quinshawn Judkins, both like, um, I think Judkins had like 1300 yards and, yeah. you know, Zach Evans still had a great year. So yeah, I think, uh, that's, that's a, that's a good get at running back coach. Um, defensive positions, uh, you know, I feel like, Oddly, with Jimbo as head coach, defense has kind of been the calling card. Uh, you know, kept us afloat in 2021 um, with uh, the struggles on offense. 
um, took, took a little bit of a step back, but um, you look at it and, you know, it's the same story. Like there was just a rash of injuries and youth and, uh, but I think, you know, second year for most of these guys, uh, it's pretty exciting to see what, what they're going to be a- uh, able to do, especially like they played so much last year and now like they've got all that. They've got, you know, the off season in the weight room. Um, is, is there a group that you guys look at? You're like, man, I can't wait to see this group. There, there's one obvious one, but I'll let you guys take it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll go ahead and take the obvious one. And that, I mean, that's defensive line is, should just be like absurd. Um, right. Because, you know, A&M lost like multiple, like really high four star players off the defensive line to the portal. And, you know, and people try to talk about, oh, it's like, look at them. They lost all their defensive line. And it's like, no, we didn't. Yeah, we, like we didn't even lose anyone who was in like the top eight. <laughs> yeah, we had like three teams worth of defensive linemen. So yeah, I mean it's, I mean I'm I'm not even gonna rattle through all the names because I think just the other day I was trying to like go through like a depth chart on Twitter of like I was like okay here's probably what like the rotation will be, and then I left off uh, Gabriel Brownlow Dendy who's like yeah gonna you know could be like one of our best players. I mean, that's just how like stacked AM is at that position. And that's just because they've recruited that position better than anyone in the country for like four or five years. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, uh, and the fact that, that you got McKinley Jackson back for a senior year as well, yes, that was yeah. huge. He, he had so an that's awesome like, year. That's, that's the one position that like, I'm going to Josh paid it up and say that unit <laughs> is disaster proof. Because yeah. you yeah. could lose like your starting four and still have like a top three defensive line in the SEC. Yeah. Um, I thought so like so 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 with McKinley like he was super highly rated was pretty good his freshman year and then like missed a lot his sophomore year Um, when he came back against Bama that dude was a wrecking ball like that is a true like all SEC caliber D tackle and I'm thrilled he's back like he's going to be like the the cornerstone of that D line but um, I've got a funny anecdote about what you were saying about the roster um, someone had posted on one of the message boards, like, uh, there's so many guys that are single digit numbers, it's like, you know, three, four, five, you know, six, uh, like they're all these D linemen. And, uh, I was watching the, some of the practice clips. I was like, man, who is number two? That guy, you know, that guy's huge. And, uh, is that one of our ends? <laughs> it was, it was Jacoby Matthews at safety. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was like, man, he looks incredible. <laughs> that's a, that's a gigantic safety. <laughs> <laughs> That was that was the other unit I, I was gonna pick if I didn't go D line too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, like it, it's good to see Bobby Taylor on the field um, and going through drills. Um, you know, to have such a uh, a Pied Piper role in that historic class uh, missed a lot last year with injury. Um, like I, I'm horrible at 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 scouting corners, like because most of like if nothing happens, that means you did a good job. <laughs> so like it's hard to really you know to to analyze that but um like that that like, he's, he's a pretty big corner like big athletic looking dude um i saw i got like a one-handed catch in one of the clips yesterday but um you know bryce anderson I, i'm a huge huge fan of his um put him anywhere on the field he's gonna make plays um yeah i think safety and you know your your starting corners uh are pretty salty as well um the few transfers we did take were at, at defensive back and, you know, finally getting Tony Grimes to college station after <laughs> yeah. missing out. Like, yep. That was, that was huge. That was huge. And that that's when like 
that did not get as much national play as as I thought it would. Um, right. And I know like he's maybe slightly underachieved at North Carolina, but like it seems like everyone at North Carolina has underachieved. Um, and so I I still think that's something where he could come in, especially uh, he's coming into like what was the number one pass defense in the country last year. I know you could there are reasons you could say to teams why pass the ball when you could just. <laughs> run the ball against that defense last year. But, uh, I mean, it was a great secondary last year, and, like, there's no reason he can't come in, especially opposite Tyreek Chappelle, who I think is going to have a monster year. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. I I don't care whether Tony underperformed or not, you know, if, if that's what somebody's going to say, because I'll never forget just watching him in his freshman year and – you know, the whole the whole key to everything the whole time was that he was 17 years old out there playing and that he was supposed to be a senior and all that kind of stuff. And he was by far and away the best player on the field. Like you could just watch their their games and you're like, that who's that guy? You know, and it was a high school senior out there playing with college yeah. kids, you know, and so like yeah. he he I have a lot of faith that that he's going to come in and be a monster for us. Yeah, I mean, he, he played against us in the Orange Bowl, and I remember being like, "Damn, like we just missed out on that guy." Like that's that's a good football no, player. I had the there. exact same thought. Like he made like several plays in the Orange Bowl, and you just sat there and you're like, "Ah, dang it!" <laughs> There's nothing worse than like missing out on a recruit and then like seeing him make plays against your team. Yeah, the next no year. Are, are y'all just a little bit salty that you know in our historic recruiting class you know best class ever um that there were two texans we missed on and they're both probably gonna be first round picks and harold perkins and kelvin banks <laughs> like I, I know the guys we got are awesome like i love i love evan stewart you know bryce anderson the whole the whole bunch but like man harold perkins had a monster year last year man i think that's it's gonna haunt us for years that like in back-to-back classes you had the number one linebacker in the country in texas both of them committed to A&M at some point, and then somehow you ended up with neither, and oh, they ended up at LSU in Texas. Yeah. yeah. I think that's going to be a thorn on our side for at least a couple more years. Yeah. And I mean, especially just because the fact that it's not just that you didn't get those guys, but you know, when you missed on those guys, both times it was somewhat late in the process, and then you kind of were left holding the bag, not having you know, any like great backup plan for your linebackers in those classes. And, right. and I think we're, exactly. we're feeling the effects of that now. Yeah, I agree. Um, I guess on, Although, on that. But, on, but at the same time, like I'm sitting there watching like, you know, practice footage the past couple of days, seeing like uh, Marshall Harris and, and, and Damian yeah. Sanford. And I'm like, oh no, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, are, are there any freshmen? Uh, Cause like, you know, like obviously last year we did like almost two hours on the signing class. We, we barely touched it this year, but um, are there any young guys that like that you're excited about? It wasn't as great of a class, but there, there's, there's probably 10 or 12 guys that I'm like, man, like that's, that's, that's a good player right there. Like a, like a high end player. Yeah. I mean, we already talked about Ruben Owens. I think he's the most obvious one just because one of the highest rated players in the class at a position where there's always somewhat of a path to, to getting on the field. Um, I'm trying to think who else because because you have you have David Hicks, but defensive line, that's a hard nut to crack for most freshmen. 
Sure. And then given the fact of like what AM already has, um, I, I could see a situation where you know he really barely plays this year, as good as he is. Um I'm kind of blanking on <laughs> I need to go back and look at our classic. I'll, I'll tell you I'll tell you one of my guys. Um if uh if Chase Basantis is not an NFL lineman, I'll be shocked. Like that that's what an NFL lineman looks and plays like. <laughs> like yeah. if you watch that guy's tape, like he's so like he's already very physically developed, but like he's so physical. His technique is is outstanding. Um, you know, he gets low and just drives people into the ground. And um, uh, you know, people were like, you know, maybe he's a guard. We're not sure if he's a tackle, but I think he's taking reps at right tackle right now, um, which I I'm very happy because you likely lose Ruben after this year. Um, but that that's a guy I'm very pumped about. Um, just uh, I think he was a top 100 guy too. So um, you need to be strong on the O line. That guy is a uh, a brick house, and if he's not an NFL draft pick, I, I'll, I'll be very shocked. Yeah, and I'd be thrilled if he ends up being a tackle, just because the past few years it seems like we've recruited well on the line, but we've gotten a lot of guards. <laughs> yeah. So like, yeah, you know, like we need depth at tackle for sure. For sure. Yeah, I'd say uh, Micah Tease is probably mine that y'all hadn't mentioned. Um, he. He's a good athlete, and I, I think he's – I'm very hopeful that he's going to come in and, and uh, do well for us. I, I don't know how else to say that. <laughs> yeah. No. I would say I one that, like, I, I'm not, like, predicting that he's going to break out immediately, but one that I'm, I think, most interested just to see how things play out is uh, Torian York. Because yeah. that was, you know, like a really late addition to the class. You know, it, he kind of, I feel like in a lot of ways, was the almost the quote unquote consolation prize to not getting Anthony Hill. Um, but like you look at his, you know, high school tape and like, I mean, the guy would just like, all, like, all he does is make tackles. And it's yeah. one that he doesn't blow you out of the water with athleticism. Like he doesn't have the measurables, but it just seems like on every play that you see, like he's in the right place. Yeah, um, and and I think there's something to be you know said for especially at linebacker, like if you can read what the offense is doing and get yourself in the right spot, like that's eighty percent of it. Yeah, is he kind of like Buddy Johnson to you a little bit? I can see that. Yeah, yeah, because um, because Buddy was never going to be the tallest guy or biggest guy, but um, that was a guy that knew his assignment, could diagnose plays and and, and make tackles. So that's that's what we're we're really lacking is is those kinds of backers and. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe York was, you know, like they probably don't offer him if they if they get Anthony Hill, but um I think he's a pretty good ball player. Um I had I had Micah Tease on my short list too. Um I, I remember watching his tape like, man, this is a this kid's got some speed. And when it comes to receiver in the college game, like uh just give me all the fast guys. <laughs> like yeah, like sure. our guys will teach you how to run routes and catch, but like you you bring us the speed that you know that you can't coach and uh, I'll take that. Which he can run routes and catch just fine as well. So yeah, um, he may be an early impact guy. Yeah. Um, the, what was a, there was a corner that we took to, what's his name? From Oak Cliff. Javon uh, Thomas. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. There's Javon Thomas, also Gravion Rogers. Yeah. Rogers also 
very fast. Yeah. <laughs> um, he, he he did everything for Lagrange, and uh, I think they were like, yeah, he runs like a four three. So, um, I'll, you, you you'll take that at corner all day every day. You know, I I just thought of, and this is mine, Dalton Brooks. Oh man, I love that Dalton dude. Brooks. Like, like, like once again, I know he played at Shiner. You know, so it was like small school. But man, like every single highlight you saw, you're like, he is the best player on the field. Yeah. Um, I, I was kind of worried because like he's a you know star running back at at at, uh, at Shiner, and you know, we offered him for safety. But um, you watch his tape, like he's he's hitting people, like <laughs> he's hitting people, he's making plays on the ball. Like, he's gonna be just fine at safety. I think yeah. he's, he's and, a great player. And also, like honestly, you know if. We either have like just a ton of injuries at running back, or just some of those guys don't pan out. I wouldn't be shocked to see him get a look over there either. I like I, I'm not basing that on any like information. I haven't heard anything like that, but I mean, but like you said, just you see how productive he was. Is like, you know, if you get in a bad spot, like that's a great insurance policy to have. Yeah, yeah, I, I like Javon Thomas too. Um, that that Oak Cliff secondary had like three or four D one guys. And I know uh, they had Malik Muhammad that went to Texas mm-hmm. um, in that secondary, but um, my, my last guy, my, he's kind of a wild card because like uh, he hasn't really played this position that we're going to put him at, but it's uh, Damian Sanford. Um, when I, we first offered him and got him and I went and checked out his tape. I'm like, man, this dude is playing at like a thousand miles an hour. <laughs> I'm like, I had to check and make sure my, my, phone wasn't sped up on the video <laughs> but like like uh he he's he's not gonna be the next will anderson like uh, i want to preface that but his play style reminds me of will anderson like just just balls to the wall 100 percent effort you know playing with his hair on fire you know he's very fast very physical um you know he's he was on the edge a lot in in high school it'd be more more of an off the ball backer with us but um, that's a guy I'm super excited to see him, uh, yeah. his, his development, but, um, yeah, this class may not have been the most highly rated that we've ever had, but there's, there's some really, really good pieces in here. Oh yeah. And, and it's a lot of guys are like, even if they don't make the impact this year, you know, you could see like next year or the year after where all of a sudden, like, you know, they're like the key pieces to like, to a, a yeah. pretty important team, but yeah. And Sanford, like, I remember like when he committed, you know, I think leading up to the commitment, you started hearing his name and I was like, I've never even heard of this guy. <laughs> but then like you look at, but then you go and like look at the offer list and it was like, he had like almost no power five offers whatsoever. And then all of a sudden he does that June camp circuit and it's like, Oh, Bama just offered Texas just offered A&M just offered. Like, he, you know, all of a sudden he's just getting like every offer under the sun in a matter of like a two week period. Right. And, and, and I mean, and that honestly, that's, that's the kind of guy you want is because it's so hard to find anyone that's under the radar these days because mm-hmm. yeah. you know, that recruiting industry is so like, you know, like they're so committed to like trying to find these guys. So it's so rare that a guy comes in and like, it's the summer before his senior year. And that's when he like pops on the radar. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. There's a, there's an article that, that buddy Elliot will do. Sorry. That, that Bud Elliot will do every, um, every NFL draft. And uh, he'll look at the guys that go in the first round that weren't like blue chip players. And uh, it's usually either they gained like 40 pounds <laughs> after they were in high school uh, or they or they played a different sport or they changed positions. Like um, I remember, uh, I think it was Josh Allen, the defensive end, not the quarterback from Kentucky. Um, like he was like a quarterback or something. And then 
he played defensive end his senior year and just had like was just terrorizing offenses at defensive end and, and Kentucky got him because no one else really knew about him but um that stuff is super interesting because it is such an industry and like they leave and coaches these days they, like they like no stone is left unturned and um but there's, there's always going to be guys that you know are either late bloomers or, or fall through the cracks or whatever else but um yeah. it's super interesting stuff and i'm blanking on his name but we signed one other guy i think it was a defensive end who he was like we didn't sign him until like november and he was and he was exactly a player like you're talking about that like i think he he didn't play football he quit football and then he played again his senior year yeah and like blew up and then like like a m and texas like both offered within like a week of each other in late november is i that, can't remember who his name was is now. that rylan kennedy yeah yeah that his name yeah, he's another one that like maybe not this year because I think he probably is still very raw. But yeah, um, but that's a, you know, I'm all about like you know take take chances on guys who, you know, just ha- have the the raw skill and then yeah, that you can coach them up. They also signed a uh, 400 pound defensive tackle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <That's>, I'll, <laughs> I'll be interested to see if there's not a goal line package with his name on it. <laughs> I mean, it's just physics. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, if nothing uh, else, like when we have the ball on the one yard line, just put him in the backfield, man. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> like, who's who's going to stop him? Yeah, because <laughs> he is like, I mean, you watch him; like he doesn't play like he's that big. Not at all. No, he's he's, he's a pretty good athlete <laughs> to be yeah. that big. Um, but uh, yeah, um, that's that's all I've got on the on the run sheet. Um, any any closing thoughts? Is there anything you're working on over at uh, a Good Bull Hunting coming up? Uh nothing in particular at the moment. You know, we were we were really hoping we were going to have a larger uh, March Madness uh, run to to cover. But yeah, <laughs> that didn't work <laughs> Me out. Me too. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, excited for for spring football. Excited to see kind of just kind of you know, every year. I feel like you don't like find out what exactly what your team's going to be, but there's always things you learn in spring football or in the spring game that end up coming to fruition during the season. You know, I remember, you know, during Jimbo's first spring game, I think that was when Jay Sternberger had like two touchdowns and like 120 yards. And that was coming off of, you know, someone probably not giving a tight end that many receptions in like his entire six years. Right. Um, so yeah, just excited, especially, you know, with Petrino, just seeing what the offense is going to do and just hoping you can turn the page and actually have a good football team again. You know, last season when things were getting bad and uh, injuries and whatnot, I was like, "Do we still have the guy that had three interceptions in the spring game? <laughs> like, <laughs> let's put let's put that guy in and see what he can do." <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, it's like ultimately, I think as A M fans, it's just you're I, you just look forward to fully moving past that 2022 season because it was just such a miserable experience. Um, yeah. I'm just hoping that. Hoping this year will be better. Yeah, man. Yeah, after the uh, after the basketball loss to Penn State, like I, I was down bad. I was like, "This program <laughs> is cursed. <laughs> like we are never going to be good at anything." <laughs> uh, uh, I've come back down to earth yeah. a little bit, but and yeah, and then of course, like you know, like you're going into like then Penn State's playing Texas, and you're like, and of course they're going to shoot like twenty five percent, you know, from three point range against Texas, which is what they did. Yeah. Um, and that's not like. And that's not saying AM's curse. That's just like that's law of averages. Like they were gonna shoot sixty percent again. 
but yes. it still sucks seeing like that you know their like once in a lifetime performance just happened to be against you yeah exactly like it just feels like, like that happens to us a lot yeah. i know that you'll know like uh like, like you're gonna know some of these like better than we will because uh like they happened whenever we were younger but um watching andrew funk just like it was like the andrew funk game and he's just draining he was, threes he was like, he was like todd Blythe. i was gonna say I todd Blythe. Yeah. <laughs> yes. that's what exactly what i was gonna say yeah <laughs> like uh, uh andrew funk todd Blythe. Larry Fitzgerald, Quentin yeah. Patton. Like, at, at least like Larry Fitzgerald, he went on to make you great, feel like, okay, career. we shouldn't feel that bad about what happened. You know? <laughs> he did that to a lot of NFL corners too. Yeah. Todd Blythe is like selling insurance or something right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is what Andrew Funk's going to be doing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Uh, that's the man, way it goes. But yeah, it's like, I feel like that was, um, this past year was probably like, yeah, for basketball, it was the biggest gut punch closest to, I guess, like 2007, like when we lost in the Sweet 16 to Memphis mm-hmm. of just like the team falling short of like, you know, what I, I, it was the team that I really thought had the potential to go farther. Yeah. And then just to get, I mean, not just lose in the first round, but like lose and it wasn't close. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't think any of us saw that coming. I don't think Penn State saw that coming. Um, so that was, that was definitely a rough way to go out. Yeah. Like I kept it on in, in the second half and I was like, Oh, like maybe we can, you know, get this lead down. No, no, they, they just widened their lead as the game went on. <laughs> yeah. It just got worse. Yeah. I, yeah. I was the same way. Like, you know, like the second half started, you're like, okay, like make a couple buckets, like get it down to closer to like, you know, like, like 10 or 12. And then like, you know, like, like find the time to like make your run and like you can do it. And then, yeah, like very quickly you're like, yeah this that's that's not this game (laughs) and then we were reduced to just jacking up threes and i'm like okay this this is not gonna end well for us but that's that's the way it goes yeah that's i mean that's i mean that's the ncaa tournament more than anything you know it's like we we were far from the most surprising outcome of that first weekend. Yeah, I'm, I'm but, glad that that Purdue took the heat off of us. After, after we, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, like, Purdue goes down, Kansas goes down, Arizona. I think there was one other two seed, but yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. There you go. I think I picked an our. Marquette to win the national championship in my bracket. Uh, yeah. But- <laughs> yeah, not to get too far into bracket talk, but like when I was filling out that regional, I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna screw this up. <laughs> I'm like, none of these teams that I picked are gonna come out of this side. It was like Purdue, Marquette, Duke, and uh, I threw Marquette in the end of the Final Four, and of course they lost the first weekend. But um, now it's gonna be like, who's he, like FAU? Like they're gonna make the Final Four now. Yeah, yeah, I saw some list, and it was like. You know, and the preface of the list is like they're like two of these teams are going to make the final four, and it was it, yeah, it was like it was like FAU, like you know, yeah, Michigan State, um, a bunch of other ones I'm, I'm forgetting now, yeah. um, but yeah, but it was just like this this absurd list of like, and the crazy thing was like of that list, I was like, Michigan State would be the most like chalky of these to make it, and they're a seven seed, yeah, yeah, and I think, of course, I think, like you I think, know, I think Tennessee's in that bunch too. They're still playing. Yeah, yeah. A team we beat, but that was that was the worst part. Was like watching the rest of the weekend, and you're seeing like you see like you know 
Auburn won, you're like, we beat them twice. Like you see, you know, Mizzou win, you're like, we beat them twice. You know, Arkansas is <laughs> in the Sweet 16. We beat them twice. <laughs> it's like, that, that was the tough pill to swallow. Is that like, is, because it's, it'd be one thing if, if you lost and you're like, okay, well, we lost to a better team. Like maybe we just weren't actually good this year. But then, yeah, you watch the rest of the games and you're like, no, I think we were really good. We just, <laughs> we went cold at the wrong time and we just ran into a team that just, had a guy that made eight out of 10 three pointers. And, and yeah. that's the, that's the difference in the game. Yeah. But that hey, on the bright side, they bring back most of that team next year. Um, the, the portal for basketball is probably about to get crazy. Uh, yeah. I, I would assume. So, um, yeah. yeah, but it's, that's the hard thing about basketball though. Cause like football, like you, like, you know, when you're no longer contending for a national title, you know, it's like because, like, basically, when you lose your second game, it's over. You know, you kind of shift expectations. Yeah. And then even like, you know, when you go to your bowl game, you know, this is the last game we play. Like, no matter what happens, like the season's over. Yeah. Basketball is so hard because you're like, we could play six more games, or we might be done tonight. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and none of the outcomes would be surprising. Like it happens no, every year. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah so like just the the whole fact of like the single elimination just makes it makes it really really rough you know because like because you know baseball still has you know a huge tournament but right you know it's like there's all these games where it's best of three and it's like and normally like when it's you know, you know when it's you're finally down to an elimination game because you have so many other games before that where it was like okay well if we lose we can still do this yeah so yeah basketball like it's it's a rough roller coaster knowing that it's just every single game is due is win or go home. Yeah. Yeah. I had kind of forgotten how stressful that is. <laughs> yeah. I, I am never comfortable during a basketball game. <laughs> like even in football, like, okay, we're up four touchdowns. We're probably going to be okay. Basketball. No, it doesn't matter. I'm like, yeah. I've seen us come back down 12. Yeah. Down 12 with yeah. a minute left. No, like, I agree. Like that Northern Iowa game is like, it's conditioned me to like, yeah, we'll be at 10 points with a minute left. And I'm like, it's not over. You, you just you <laughs> don't <not>. know <laughs> uh, well i'll let you guys get out of here we've been going for an hour 20 but the last thing i'll say is I, I am disgusted that lsu has a super team in baseball like uh they at least we, we won a game out of the series last yeah. weekend yeah, went two we of one but they've got a guy batting over 500 like that is <laughs> absurd <laughs> their starting pitchers walked like four guys all season like it's it's just ridiculous what they're doing over there. Um, hopefully, I think we're going to get more involved in the NIL on the baseball front, um, which is a great place for it. Like most yeah. of those guys aren't on full scholarships anyway, so um, hopefully we can take advantage of that. But yeah, and and yeah, you do just hope long term that you know LSU may do what we all think they're going to do this season, but it might be a similar thing like with Tennessee last year, where you just hope that you know regional start super regional start and you avoid them long enough that yeah someone unexpectedly trips them up and kind of takes them out of the running for sure but and and, and everyone likes to bag on it's like oh it's like you know AM's excited just because they won one game out of the three game series and it's like well first of all like we all admit we lost the series and that kind of sucks so, but secondly that's now one of their two losses on the year yeah. So like, yeah. let's not completely write it off. <laughs> they may only lose like five or six games this year. Yeah. And we're going to be like, one of them. <laughs> there's going to be a lot of teams that get swept. Yeah. But 
Oh, it feels but like yeah, at least yeah, we still got baseball. Yeah, yeah. It feels like baseball's hitting their stride a little bit and uh get some guys back. I feel like that's so. kind of like because I went back and looked at even some of like Schwass's teams at TCU, like they would have slow starts. Like they would like drop midweek games to teams that you did not think they should. Um, and then like at some point, like yeah, early on in conference play or even halfway through conference play, they like they get going and then it's just off to the races. So yeah. let's hope that happens again this year. Yeah, fingers crossed. But um Chase, any closing thoughts? I don't think so. It was a good episode. Robert, thanks for coming on. Um, always good to have you on. You're welcome anytime. Anytime you want to on the podcast. Yeah, man. Let us know. We'll be happy to have you. Yeah. Always like, like to talk uh, talk AM sports, especially with you guys. You guys, it's, it's always a great conversation. So I really enjoy it. Yeah. We appreciate that and appreciate you coming on and uh, keep up the good work over at, uh, at Good Bull Hunting and on Twitter. You're, you're fighting the good fight for us. We appreciate that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I appreciate it. Somehow I've, it's the blessing and the curse of you kind of get a large following, but then that means that like, like, oh my gosh, Thursday night when you lost that game, my, my mentions were a dark, dark place. <laughs> there was a lot of, you kind of just had to keep on scrolling yeah. and, and yeah. ignore a lot of it, but yeah. it, that, it's still a good time. I've, I've been using the, the mute button, uh, quite, quite liberally these days. <laughs> <laughs> I try not to, I try to just kind of just be a good sport and take my lumps, but yeah, yeah, like days like that, when you just have some, like something truly embarrassing happen, it's makes for it for a rough night. Yeah, absolutely. Well, he is Robert Barons. He's Chase Caldwell. Uh, hopefully, we'll catch Hayden next week. I'm Will Stone. This is the Inelgals Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Yeah.